Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Koslowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. And same applies to any professional who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Light the Fight. It's me, David. Nothing's changed. I've been here, I've done that, I'm still here, and I'll still be here as long as you guys keep on listening to the podcast, as long as there's more than three and a half listeners. I don't know, I just made up some random number. I don't know if you could have three and a half per se, but anyways, I'm still here as long as you guys are listening, which you obviously are, so thank you for listening, and we're still sponsored by 1-800-CONTACTS, or community sponsor. They've been with us for a long time now. Give all of our appreciation to them and everything they've done for us. So if you need contacts, don't think about it. Just go get them from 1-800-CONTACTS. Now to the episode. I'm going to be finishing answering some questions this week from parents from my Pleasant Grove community event sponsored by PG Cares. I have a lot of questions still to get to. And then in future episodes, I will be answering questions from my most recent parent night, which was Olympus High School. So for all the people that came and saw me from Olympus High School, your questions will be answered in the upcoming weeks. I'm still working on getting to the Pleasant Grove questions. So, but you may get something out of the Pleasant Grove questions as well. So stay tuned in. I met a lot of great, nice people at Olympus. I already talked about, I believe, the great people I met at at, uh, Pleasant Grove. And if I didn't talk about them, you're great. Thank you for signing up and joining us here at Light the Fight. So let's get right into it. So let's start with... First question, how do you connect with a child that doesn't have good communication skills and parents don't either? Parents, okay. I'm I'm not quite sure if this person is referring to they want to connect with a family that they're trying to help. Maybe this person could be uh, a teacher, a bishop, um, an aunt or an uncle. Maybe you're the neighbor and <laughs> you're trying to help um, and connect with uh, yeah a neighbor that maybe you want to connect with them, want to make it less awkward because it's not fun to have a neighbor that lives right next to you. And when you see them out in the driveway, it's like, hey, how you doing? And they put their head down and walk away and you like live next to them for like 10 years. I've had that happen, unfortunately, a number of times. And it's just, you don't have to be best friends with your neighbors. But if stuff goes down in your neighborhood, if there's some sort of danger or if you're out of town, it's better to know the people closer to you because you can easily or more easily observe people you know, people that you have a connection with. If people that you know are having some problems or maybe they're out of sorts, it's easier to know because you're talking to them. You can see if they start to go off uh, off uh, into crazy town or crazy land. Now, of course, I'm being extreme in extreme situations. And if it's a stranger, you may just go, wow, they're really shy and awkward and have no idea that they have some serious issues that may affect your your safety in your house. Again, I know I'm being extreme, but it's not uncommon to have neighbors that throw crazy parties, that maybe do drugs, maybe do some nefarious things, and and it can affect the neighborhood. But if you're close to people, if you get some inside information with them, it's easier to observe them. That's all I'm trying to say. And that's that goes with all relationships. So I'm going to answer this as if it's how to connect with a family that 
does not have good communication skills. Now, wherever you're coming from, if you're a person just trying to connect with those types of people, this question's for you. Most people try to use some sort of compliments, maybe, hey, your, your lawn looks nice, or hey, you know, you like your new car. Those are obviously some pretty basic ones. I don't think you need me to answer that on the podcast. Those come pretty natural. But when your communication and attempts to communicate with someone and break the ice with them, when it fails, it's always good to offer some type of service. Now, when you offer the service, it's even better to offer it in a statement form. You should probably know by now, unless this is the first time you've listened to podcasts, I'm all about leading with statements for tons of tons of reasons. And if you don't know my reasons because you're new to this podcast, go way back to the beginning or just search the episodes. I've done at least two or three of them on statements versus questions is what I call it. Check that out because there's a lot to it. I don't want to get into that right now. And the reason why you want to lead in statements in these in these situations specifically to connect with someone is because they know why you're addressing someone. If you ask your uh, neighbor, for example, hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? Great. Goodbye. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're trying to actually connect with them, you should lead with something like this. Hey, I noticed the other day that you hadn't taken out your trash. And it was trash day. I took the liberty of taking it out for you. Just so you know in the future, if you're out of town or anything like that, here's my number. You can text me. You can let me know. I'd be happy to help you out. Because I know sometimes uh, I forget to do that myself. Simple, ba basic statement. Okay, you're just letting them know. Now, this person knows that you're making an attempt to connect with them and offer some sort of service. Now, when you help people, that usually means that you have some sort of inclination of something is valuable about them or good enough about them that's worth helping. Unfortunately, that doesn't always convey when you're just asking questions. So you'd be like, Hey, if uh, you ever need your trash taken out, just let me know. And your neighbor could be like, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. That's, oh, that's, that's really good that this person offered to do that for me. It could be even that simple of version of it. But since you're making a statement, they know exactly why you're saying, like why you're stating that. If you say, hey, if you ever have a difficult time with X, Y, or Z, and now let's get away from the neighbor one. If you ever have a difficult time with anything in your life, regardless, like I'm, I'm not thinking of a specific relationship, but just generally speaking, and this is someone you wanna connect with, could be a child, it could be a parent. When you say that, if you ever need help with this, I'd be happy to lend you a hand. They know that you're trying to connect, they know that you care, and they also know what your intentions are in whatever that subject matter is. If you started out with a question, when you're asking people what's wrong, how they've been, people are used to hearing just random questions. It's almost like a, a handshake. Nice to meet you, nice to meet you too. And you just keep it moving. You're not really having room for a conversation. You're not trying to inquire more about them. You're not able to show that you're making an invitation that you're trying to connect with them, so it then gives them an invitation to know that they could also connect with you. If you offer service or offer help to someone, sometimes they want to reciprocate it. And sometimes they say, oh, well, if you ever have the same thing happen to you, we'd be happy to help you. You're starting to build some sort of what I call connection currency. Connection 
is as valuable as money. When you have a close connection with someone that gives you resources or access to resources, the things that they know, information that they have, things that part of their network, now that you may not have the most intimate details about people that they know and access to all their resources and all their network, they may not just loan you $10,000 just because you're nice to them. But I'm saying generally speaking, when you have a closer connection, that means they're more likely to help you. When people are willing to help you, not only does it reciprocate your desire to help them and make you feel like they care about you, it also does something else. It forms something called trust. Now, when someone trusts you, they usually have observed something about your behavior, your speech, your overall countenance and disposition. And in that observation, you make them feel comfortable. When people feel comfortable around you, it's usually after you've done something to earn their trust in some way, shape, or form. Once they feel comfortable around you because they've seen there's things about you they respect, and then that respect lends to, they start to trust that you're a person that could help them, could make their life a little bit easier, a little bit better, even if it's just in little ways. And then that leads to freedom of expression. We're more likely to freely express ourselves to people that we, A, have respect for the way they operate and the way they conduct themselves. And then that respect leans or turns, not leans, turns into trust. And then as you start to trust them more, you feel more free to express your opinions, your thoughts, and your feelings with that person. That is the basis, one, two, three steps of a connection. Think about all the relationships in your life. Those three have to be available and readily present for you to have the freedom to open up, share your concerns, your thoughts, and your feelings with that person, and for them to do the same thing with you. All of our best relationships, the best connections we have with people, they all have had respect, trust, freedom to express, freedom to be honest and open. And when we're open and honest with people, the connection is greater. I heard the saying a long time ago, and I've probably repeated it plenty of times on this podcast. In fact, I even think someone did a TED talk about this. And it's very simple. Connection creates the best innovation. The more interconnected you are with people at work, the better ideas you're going to come up with. The more you connect with people in a sports team or in any sort of thing that you're trying to compete, the more likely you are to win or to have more success. Very simple. So I'm hoping that that answered that question, but because the way the question was a little phrased, I couldn't quite tell who that was directed towards. But regardless, I believe that information is spot on. Next one. How do I approach someone when I need to have a serious conversation with them? Well, this is very simple. And if you haven't listened to the podcast before, I will repeat myself. This is called connection before concern. I won't go into this in great detail because I talk about this when I give presentations as one of the tools and I teach this in training business professionals, uh, administrators, teachers at schools. So my specialty is I usually speak to parent events. I train teachers. I train schools how to connect with students. And I train also parents how to connect with teenagers and kids. Then I train bosses how to connect with employees. What do all those people have in common? There's one person that has higher authority. One person has less authority. If they work together effectively, the job is better. Everyone wins. When they don't work together effectively, 
Lots of problems, lots of lineman, landmines. Gosh, can't talk to you. Landmines blowing up. Lots of things that can happen that can disrupt the flow, that can cause chaos, and in some cases can take down organizations, even if the organization is a family system. So when uh, someone that I'm trying to teach needs to have that ability to have a closer, um, I guess not closer is the word for it. When you want to have a higher probability that the seriousness of what you're trying to express to someone is going to land, mean it's going to connect with them, you always want to use this skill called connection before concern. Address the connection you have with someone. So remind the person or state some sort, like you testify of how you feel about them in a positive way or you remind them of what you guys have been through together. You remind them that you're on their same team. You remind them that there is a likeness about you, that you guys share something that bonds you. Before you tell them what's wrong with you or what's bothering you, or maybe it has nothing to do with you, maybe it's something that they've done. Maybe it's something that you're observing that, they're, that they've been doing that you're concerned about, and you feel that it's your job or you have the right to jump in and intervene and try to Try to like, hey, listen, you better take this seriously. This is not a joke. This is not a game. Or maybe you're concerned that they're not acknowledging something that could be detrimental to their livelihood or their mental and emotional and physical well-being. So connection for concern, you start off with saying something like this. Man, I'm so glad you're my neighbor. Going back to the neighbor analogy. I'm so glad that, that you know, you could live next to a lot of people and, and sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you have great neighbors and sometimes you have bad neighbors. Well, I just want to let you know I'm glad you're my neighbor. Boom. Connection. You like the fact that they're living close to you. Now, again, you can take this and use it in so many different types of relationships. Now, if you have something serious to say, like, I don't like that you have a bird feeder in front of your yard, not because I don't like birds and I don't want you to feed them, but because animals don't crap where they eat. So they fly up and sit on my house or my yard Pooping everywhere, because usually if you have a bird feeder up and there's lots of feeder in there, uh, this has been a, a neighborhood issue in lots of neighborhoods. People are trying to be nice, feed birds, not realizing that the people around you, the birds are crapping all over their house, and it's happened to me. So this example is something, something I'm coming to you from personal experience. So you go to that person after you say the connection, happy with their neighbor, and then you can say something like, so I just wanted to talk to you for a moment if you didn't mind. And let you know that um, something is, you know, it's been kind of weighing heavy on my mind lately. And because you're a great neighbor, because I love having you in the neighborhood, and I'm glad that we've met, and I'm glad you're my neighbor. I didn't want to approach this in a way that you thought I was angry or mad at you. I just want to share something with you that I'm assuming you probably wouldn't think of or had no idea about unless I communicated it to you. So here I am. I just want to tell you what's going on. Now they'll be like, oh, sure. Yeah, what's going on? What's happening? Well, you know how uh, you got that bird feeder out front and, you know, you have like flocks of birds flying in. I think it's cool. I think it's awesome. I think it's amazing. I love birds. It's great. And they're actually all sitting on my roof and my property because they don't like yours is right there. So they fly to get the food and they fly to my house. Now I have to put up fake owls, fake, um, you know, hawks or whatever. But every single day, I'm cleaning up tons of bird poop. My dog's tracking into our house. It's all over the trampoline. It's on our barbecue covers. And it's like it's like bird poop is hard to get off of paint. It stains. And you can just say this thing. So 
I actually been hesitant to say this to you because I didn't want to make you feel like I didn't want you as a neighbor. I was mad at you personally because it's not a personal thing. It's just a concern of mine. And I'm hoping that by me bringing it up to you this way that you'll consider doing something about it because I don't think you did this on purpose. I don't think you said, oh, I'm going to go hang up a bunch of bird seed up there to piss off my neighbors who I actually like. That is how I'd suggest you handle a situation that's serious. Now, it could be way more serious than this. I want to use kind of like a, a mid-level one because with neighbors and fighting, it could become contentious. It could become really serious. So I wanted to use something that you're trying to avoid something bad from happening. You can use the same type of approach with your kids, with a worker, you know, a coworker, maybe a teacher. Maybe you're a teacher and you're talking to a parent. Same concept applies, connection before concern. Once you make the establish that there's a connection that, you know, you're not trying to attack them. They're, this is not something that you're, you're doing in, to be offensive. But you are also needing to be assertive and have to share some serious information with them. That is when you share the concern. So connection first, concern second, and at the end, add with connection again. So it should be technically connection, concern, connection, but I just thought connection before concern sounded more clever, easier for people to remember. If you ever remember writing things in school, um, like writing a, a paper, they'd always say, hey, write, it's called the, the sandwich effect, or I forget what it's actually called, but it's like the bread, the meat, then the bread. Say the fluffy stuff in the beginning of the story, the meat in the middle, and the fluffy stuff at the end. Or if you're a letter having to write someone about a complaint or tell someone how you feel, same thing. Fluffy stuff in the middle, meat meaning that the intense, more, more difficult or harder subject in the middle, and then again, ending with something, hey, I appreciate you, thank you, those types of things. So that's connection before concern, and that's how I answer that question. So the next one. Uh, okay. Anyone willing to hazard a guess as to what has changed in our society that has resulted in dramatic increases in depression, anxiety in our youth? Okay, that must have been a typo from the person. This was a text line. We're getting this. So anyone have a guess as to um, why there's been a drastic increase in depression, anxiety in our youth? Well, I just, uh, okay, I didn't post. I'm trying to say because I'm pre-recording this stuff. You'll be seeing on our Instagram that I'm going to be attending an event on Thursday called the I Am Mom Summit. It's parenting in the digital age and digital world. There'll be lots of speakers there talking about how to keep your kids safe, but also how to manage screen time. I don't think the solution is to get rid of all the screens in your house, have no computers, no laptops, no iPads, no phones, no TVs, unless you're one of those very, very, very unique people, not bad unique, just unique, where you're going all natural, right? You're not doing anything that's not organic. You'd have, probably have to be living up in a cabin and you know homeschooling your kids. But even then, how could you homeschool them if you didn't have a computer? Well, you'd have to go drive down the mountain, get all the printouts, and bring them back. So unless you're one of those people, and I meant no offense by that, um, most people are going to have to have some sort of screens around. So I believe in teaching your kids how to be competent, and that's something that you can't just tell them to do. It's not that type of teaching. You have to have a plan. You have to set some things up. And the reason why I'm bringing this up that you should attend that conference, it's the link's going to be in, a, in our bio and Instagram, or you can just go visit the I Am Mom Summit website or go to their Instagram page and their links in their bio as well. I'm bringing that up because the anxiety and depression, I think if we looked at this like a pie chart and like what percentage, like what pie had the biggest percentage of 
influencing our kids to having more depression, anxiety. I'd say the two biggest pieces are, and maybe it's like these are 35 and 35 or 40 and 40%. So there'd be two big pieces would be um, our interfacing with technology and our brain's lack of ability to do that successfully in a short period of time. We've really only had technology or social media apps, things like that on our cell phone since 2010. The internet has been readily available and excessive to most Americans, at least in our country, since like, you know, late 90s, 2000s. Most people got, you know, cell phones, computers, somewhere in the 2000s, the 2010s. And uh, that's just something that has a big influence on it because our brains weren't made to connect with tons of people instantaneously all the time. Our brains were really hardwired to have about 100 to 150 intimate personal relationships. And when we exceeded that, um, our ancestors, hunter-gatherers, would branch out, start a new tribe. They'd go move somewhere else because they found that the resources would run dry. If they had 500 people using the resources in one particular valley, they may run out of uh, food to hunt, food to pick, water to, to use for irrigation, for their survival. So they'd spread out and they would start other groups. So naturally, if you get to a certain point where you aren't intimately able to interface with enough people, if you get to the point where it's like 150 people, it's hard to carry 150 people's knowledge and information about the person, what they like, what they don't like. And so tribes knew this intuitively. They found out is roughly around that number, and that's when they started branch off because that way, another 150 people, they could still interface with each other. You know, they'd get together maybe every once a month, and they'd have convent, like not conventions, uh, some sort of tribal gatherings, and that would be something that they could share. Here's what we're learning. Here's what we're doing. Maybe they'd even share resources, or if there was a wartime, they'd all come together to protect each other. They'd make packs and agreements. But in today's world. We're interfacing with so much people so fast. It, 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 it just, and there's so much information that we're trying to interface with. It creates a lot of instability in our brain. It's like almost like our brain's like does not compute. It's like the hard drive is being fried. It's like there's too much power and too much stuff going in and out. Now I could get way, way deeper in that, but I think I made my point is that it's really difficult for our brain to take in the information of lots of people because it's hard for us to act and behave in ways that we know matter and can influence people around us if we're trying to influence thousands of people. Now, another thing is, um, I think would be the other biggest piece of the, the imaginary pie in regards to why is anxiety and depression so prevalent and so increasing so drastically in our country is I'd say purposeful struggle. We're lacking purposeful struggle if we compare it to generations before us. Now, I'm not saying that technology is a bad thing because I believe technology and the internet and those things, it's just like money. And there's a saying that says money is the root of all evil, but there's no saying that says if you have money, burn it and don't use it. Well, money is the root of all evil is really referring to is usually when people get evil, it's because they become obsessed with acquiring X amount of money. And then when they get that amount of money, it's like, oh, I need more money. And then it gets to a point where it becomes power. Like money becomes like something that they can control people. And now I don't know because I've never had that much money. So I'd like to hope that if, be, if I became a billionaire, I wouldn't become evil. And, and it would be my death and demise. And I, I'd hope that I wouldn't use that for evil. However, I think that's what that saying says. Money is the root of all evil. Well, technology 
can be the root of much of our depression and anxiety. But technology in and of itself, like money, is not bad. Having said that, I think that purposeful struggle or lacking purposeful struggle is something that creates a lot of depression and anxiety. As human beings, we need to know that we matter. How do we know that we matter? People have to tell us that. They have to show up for us and help us when we're in difficult times. If we have a lot of experience that people don't care about our thoughts, feelings, opinions, they don't really care about our well-being. If we're screaming at the top of our lungs that we're in pain and people walk by us like, oh, sucks to be you. Well, then we're not going to really have a lot of proof and validation that we matter. Purposeful struggle means that we're doing hard things, difficult things that make other people's lives better. And as we make other people's lives better, they reciprocate, they respond with trying to do things that make our lives better. And then that validates us to let us know that we matter. When we do things that don't really matter, it's not a purpose to that struggle. When we get in our whole entire life obsessed with things that really don't make other people's lives better, they're more self-fulfilling, you know, ventures and, and things just for our own benefit. We start to wonder when times get tough because when things are fine and we're coasting, we're easy, everything's easy, we don't really worry about it. We just order food, it gets delivered, no big deal. But when we do not have those resources available, such as like during the pandemic, and I'm not talking about order food, but because that was available, but when we lose lots of things that give us that that connectivity, that purposeful struggle where we're helping people and they're helping us, where we're shut off from the world and we're not knowing that we matter to other people because we're not able to do things for other people and them to reciprocate and do things for us, that's when things start to go a little high, haywire. That's why I always tell parents that ask me, how come I provide this amazing life for my kids, which a lot of parents will tell me that the life that their kids have is way better than the life that they had growing up, a lot more comforts, things like that. When they tell me that, they said, so how come my kid's depressed and anxious so much when they have such an easy life? And I tell them similar to what I'm telling you right now. It's because they lack purposeful struggle. They're struggling with lots of things. The problem is that those things don't really seem to have a purpose. They don't really have to seem to have a start time and a stop time. There's no, uh, there's no validation that the things that they're doing are meaningful to anyone else in their life. If we live a meaningless life, meaning we're not doing anything to benefit the lives of other people, because that's what real meaning is. Yeah, we could do things that make us feel good and make us make money. But at a certain point, it's like you can't have enough cars to make you happy. You can't have enough money to make you happy. You, your soul feels empty. You start to feel lacking and, and wanting. And like you're just like, man, I'm missing something in my life. Well, that's usually purposeful struggle. Human beings, we do better when we're struggling. Believe it or not, when our lives are too easy, that's scary. We weren't made to have perfect lives and have no struggle. We we're made to work together in groups to help each other out. And by helping someone else out, your body gives you a reward. Lots of cool neurochemicals come through your body when you're in the service and helping other people. That's why so many people volunteer their time. They do service for other people. People wouldn't do service for other people if service sucked and it didn't feel good. They do it because it does feel good. But in today's self-centered world, and I'm not saying everyone's self-centered who's in the world, but today's world really just provides us with carte blanche of pick and choose what you want, when you want it. You don't really have to deal with the hassles of jumping through a lot of hoops. Our ancestors had to negotiate with people. Our ancestors were like, gosh, man, I don't like that person in our tribe. They irritate me. I, I hate the way they wear 
or moccasins or lava lavas because, you know, I'm Polynesian, right? <laughs> and uh, when we didn't like people, that was normal. Human beings always don't like each other. But when that person has something that you don't know how to do or access to things that you need for your life, then you had to work with the person. You had to come to some sort of common ground. And if you don't find that common ground, then why would that person share their resources with you if they don't feel like you're willing to share the resources with them? Because they probably didn't like you either. We find common ground by breaking bread. It's an old statement. It's an old saying, having a meal with someone, working out our differences, sitting around a fireplace, or back those days, maybe not a fireplace, a fire pit, and working out our, our differences. Because if we didn't work out our differences, we would have a higher probability of death or bad things happening to us. So the increase in technology, way too fast for our brains to handle and evolve with. Um, I can't remember if it was 40,000, but it was some crazy amount um, from Dr. Matthew Lieberman from UCLA stated that for our brain to make huge shifts, pivot in huge ways to change the way that we view how we interact and how we survive, it'd take like 40,000 years, something crazy like that. I should, probably should have checked that before this, but it was some large amount of years and we're doing it from like, 2000 to 2022. So I think that's why this has been a huge experiment. And in this experiment, we had no idea by living in a hyper, um, uh, hyper influenced technological society. So a society that's influenced by technology so fast, so quick. I don't think we had any idea the effects that it would have on our mental and emotional and social well-being. So I think that's a big one and us lacking purpose, purposeful struggle because of all the amazing advantages we have, much of it through technology and, and things of that nature. I think that's the other big reason why as a society, in my opinion, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again, I'll keep on saying it until people really take this serious, the mental health epidemic, suicide, depression, anxiety, addictions, all these things that people struggle with or like uh, addictive um, things that people are turning to as coping mechanisms, because whatever it is going on in their life, they're not getting a fast enough relief. They can't figure out those problems fast enough. So they have to shortcut it by just doing something that gives them a quick relief so that they can at least minimize or get rid of the pain, numb it out just long enough to survive that next day. So technology, our brain's not adapting fast enough to interface with technology. And then also us lacking purposeful struggle much because of this increase in technology that's happened so fast. I believe those are the two main things that are the reason for us having such mental and emotional health disorders. And on top of that, I believe this is not a mental health issue. Like I said, anyone, someone, any, anytime someone will listen to me, I like to let them know that all the mental health issues we're having, this is a social health issue that has serious mental health side effects. Well, that's all the questions to answer for today. Thank you for all the parents that uh, got me the questions from PG. Thank you for your patience in me answering these questions. Like I said, I'll be answering questions over the next few weeks. I look forward to answering a few more from PG, then get into the Olympic, or the Olympic, the Olympus High School questions. Next week, I'll finish the PG, do a couple Olympus High questions. And as always, you guys, thank you for coming and following us. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, go follow us on YouTube. We've been trying to do YouTube for the past couple months. We don't have... I think we have like 300 followers on there. Hey, it's good, but nothing like the thousands of followers that we have on Instagram and also the thousands of downloads that we get through every single episode here on Light the Fight. Thank you very much for your guys' support. And as always, thank you for helping us to light the fight.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.